This is a Power 98.7 podcast. Now we're talking. Subscribe to Power 98.7 podcasts in iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. There's more on power987.co.za. The time is officially 11 minutes past the hour of 11 o'clock. I'm loving all the synchronicity today. Everything's squaring up each hour, every hour. We're in the last hour of Power Talk this Monday morning. Thank you for staying with us here at Power 98.7. We're now going to focus on a key pillar of the South African economy, the logistics and freight rail side of the economy, the port side of the economy, how you move goods to market and through the market. So we know that given the very sticky low growth rates, the South African economy is in dire straits. And it's apparently being weighed down by an orbit of failures. And I love this this terminology, an orbit of failures, is what my producers have asked me to say, and I love it. And I'm going to credit them for, <laughs> for the sequencing of these words. So South Africa's weighed down by an orbit of failures, making our medium to long-term prospects not very attractive. The Institute for Race Relations has written a few articles about the state of the economy, and one of their titles is "The South African e- South African Economic Growth Hobbled Hobbled by ESCOM and Transnet Freight Rail." So, honestly, if you think that you are in a race and then somebody, um, you know, puts your feet in chains or kicks you down and you hobble. That's what is happening to the South African economy. And to that point, uh, Busisiwe Mavuso, who's an executive director at Business Leadership South Africa, has also sounded the alarm, along with uh, executives in the mining sector, raising concerns about the state of Transnet ports and how, you know, uh, delays, constraints have led to higher costs and longer lead times for exports and also things coming into the country. And the longer you have to wait, um, the more delayed the production cycle, making it really difficult to plan. And the mining industry in particular has felt the brunt of some of these systemic constraints. And then I'd like to add a final thing, which um, is drawn from a report from the United Nations Economic Commission on Africa, which says generally how goods move across the African continent. It's by road. 90% of goods that move to the point of trade is by road. So we have a few ports, the port of Lagos, Abidjan, Accra, in Tema, we've got the port of Mombasa, Durban, and a few of those. But once goods enter the gateways, they then move by road from the north to the south. And so when we talk about the sorry state of roads, um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that not enough has been done to invest in refurbishing the railway lines and carrying heavy-duty goods on railway lines. And so we are sharing the roads as passengers with public transportation and logistics, and hence the big potholes, hence the fraying of the tar. Hence some of the things we are seeing on the dangerous roads because some of these goods could be moving um, parallel on the tracks. And so the failure to invest, to maintain, to refurbish is adding to the costs of business and creating hazards for the lives of those who are in the freight and logistics industry. 
The president has called for a commission of inquiry. The question is people are fatigued by commissions of inquiry. It seems as though we know what needs to be done. Sort out Transnet, fix the roads, invest more in road infrastructure, invest more in rail infrastructure, invest in the transport economy, and then you might have a solution. But uh, he prefers to talk about the problems, diagnose them further. So let's help him. On this journey, we're joined by Andrew Pike, who's the head of ports, transport and logistics sector at Bowman's Attorneys. Good morning, Andrew. Hi, good morning, Lerato, and thank you for the invitation to join you and your listeners. Thank you so much for coming through. And we want to say good morning to you, Misela Kope Ntlabo. I don't know if it's Kope Ntlabo or Kope Ntlabo, but good morning. Good morning, Lerato. It's Kope. Kope Ntlabo. Thank you so much, Misela, for coming through. She is the CEO of the African Rail Industry Association. So, Andrew, let's get a broad brushstrokes, a broad-based view from you. What are the issues in the logistics side of the economy? What's going on at Transnet and what's, and what's making it difficult to move goods to market and back? Sure, that's a big question. <laughs> but let me, let me start. Um, let, let's just work off the uh, your introduction which we're talking about the various ports so those are our gateways into and out of the continent and so that's the first potential bottleneck once the goods get into the ports they then have to get into the hinterland uh, for the imports and obviously out of the hinterland for for exports and so you then have um, the connectivity between the ports and the hinterland, which, in my view, and I'm sure we'll hear more about it from Sela, um, should principally by, be by rail. Mm. But instead, what we have is a, a failed or failing rail system, which has forced people to invest in trucks. And you now have thousands and thousands of trucks on the roads. Mm. And... Just to, to give you an illustration of this, mm. you know, one of the biggest coal terminals in the Southern Hemisphere is Richards Bay Coal Terminal. Yeah. And they have a capacity to export over 90 million tons of coal a year. Yeah. Last year, they had the lowest export since 1997, I think it was, which was around 52 million tons. Reason being, Transnet Freight Rail couldn't get the cargo to the port. So instead, you now have truck operators in their hundreds and thousands who are investing in trucks mm. and trying to bring them to the port. I read a report a couple of weeks ago saying that they're trying to process 1,200 trucks a day in Richards Bay. Mm. Now, just, just think about that. If the trucks were taking just one minute each, which is inconceivable for mm. a truck, that would still be 20 hours a day of truck operations. But let's just assume it's two hours, you know, that's 40 hours, or yeah. I mean, two minutes is 40 hours, etc. So they can't possibly process 1,200 trucks a day. It's inconceivable. Yeah. So what's happening is that the port is completely blocked. Um, you've got the N2, which is blockaded by trucks. And, of course, the truck operators themselves are very grumpy. They're losing money. They can't deliver. You know, they should be delivering a, a cargo load every day or every two days. Yeah. And instead, it's probably taking them four, five, six days to deliver a cargo load. And they're trying yeah. to finance these trucks. So that's one of the one of the big, big problems. Um, 
you probably are aware that the World Bank has started producing this uh, these container port performance mm-hmm. indices. Mm-hmm. And the most recent one, which reviewed 370 container ports around the world, yeah. concluded that Durban, Nocha, and Cape Town are in the, the bottom 10 of the 370 ports around mm-hmm. the world. And there, what they are measuring is uh, limitations on spatial and operating efficiency, mm. uh, limitations on maritime and landside access, oversight issues, mm. and coordination between public agencies. Okay. And what they conclude is that we are some of the worst performing ports in the entire world. My so it's, a, it's sort of a basket of factors. And that is measuring only the time that a ship is actually in the port and offloading. It's not yeah. measuring the 10, 15, 20 days that the ship is waiting sure. outside. And so that all of those are A, pushing up costs, and yeah. B, causing absolute mayhem for the importers right. and exporters who've got, as you say, deadlines to meet. So those are the sort of broad brush things. Mm. But uh, I think just before I, I stop hogging the, the platform, <laughs> um, the last thing to note is that the World Bank recently came out with a logistics index. And that positioned South Africa quite well at number 19 out of, I think, 147 countries. Mm. But they're, they're not measuring the right things. They're not actually measuring port performance. They're actually measuring what's happening in the private sector between okay sort of ports and so on. So, yeah. you know, there, uh, the message being that I think that there is some good news out there. And there are a couple of good news stories mm. which also potentially mm. involve Transnet. But for the most part, we have created these massive bottlenecks because of port and rail inefficiencies, mm. um, aggravated by, for instance, the, the floods that we had in mm. KZN yeah. last year, which put yeah. rail completely out of commission. Yeah. But yeah, we've got some big systemic issues and um, mm. I think that your orbit of failures is, is pretty apt. <laughs> okay, big systemic issues, Misela Kope and Tlapu. And I want us to first diagnose what those are because Andrew's given us a broad picture of where the bottlenecks lie. And then I want us to talk about solutions. So we are told that, you know, Transnet controls about 20,000 kilometers of rail. And most of that is for freight. And um, we are not seeing goods going to market. Why not? Thank you, Lerasa. Um The rail industry is not just logistics. It's mm. a complex uh, system. Mm. And to lead such a an organization, particularly Transnet uh, Freight Rail, yeah. uh, you need to have a person that understands the railways through and through. Yeah. Um, I would rather have one bit with um, no uh, 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 MBA running TFR instead of somebody that has all the qualifications in the world running TFR. So the competency of the, uh, the, the management uh, is, is quite key. And I am not saying that the current leadership is not competent. Mm. I am saying that the current leadership may not be competent in the race uh, 
industry. So that is the first point. Mm. Two is that the lack of understanding of the importance of the railways, and it goes back to knowing the the, the railway business. Mm. The the participation or the impact that Transnet has on the on the economy of the country, uh, and and um, the and the impact on its business. Yeah. So we we have those uh, um, problems uh, at at the top level. Yeah. Then we go down to the infrastructure itself. We have established that um, we will probably need over twenty seven billion. To, um, to to fix the infrastructure, but Professor Havenga uh, thinks the the number is way much higher, probably mm. hundred a hundred billion. So the infrastructure that has not been maintained mm. is a problem. A rent spent today is not equal to the rent that could have been spent mm. five years ago. Mm. So you can't uh, say that the railways or logistics are the backbone of the economy and be- behave in a manner that compromises our yeah. economy and uh, and all our social ills that are taught to be quite honest. Okay. And um, yeah, that's where we find ourselves. Uh, lack of, uh, of knowledge, complex systems, uh, politics as well, by the way, and um, and capital expenditure, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, look, uh, um, the the major part of transnet uh, uh, expenditure is on salaries, mm. not on not on the core business. Mm. Yeah. So okay. if you don't fix the infrastructure, you continue paying people yeah. for not delivering because the the volumes have have gone down yeah. now tell me lerato why would power fm keep lerato bello on when your numbers of listeners are decreasing How? so in private sector, <laughs> I'm, 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 just, I'm just saying in private sector there's accountability yes it's true okay accountability you have to perform yeah. so if you don't perform you're out in public sector, yeah. in the in, in particularly in the in the in the instance of Transnet, yeah. if there's no performance, you yeah. still get your salary. Yeah, no, that, I get... that, that that is being paid for <laughs> by the taxpayer. Don't worry, so I'm, I'm just, just I'm just being facetious. Don't worry about me. Yeah, I, we get what you're saying. Andrew, no, Pike... we don't we don't worry about you. We know <laughs> and our listeners that any topic that you take on. You would have investigated it properly oh, and read. Thank you, ma'am. So we're not worried about that. Thank you, ma'am. Sela Kope and Tlapo. Andrew, let's bring you into the conversation. So you say systemic, and I thought you meant systemic macro-wise, but ma'am Sela is also saying systemic organizationally at Transnet Freight Rail. There are issues there. You've got highly accomplished leaders, but who don't understand the nitty-gritty of what it is to run a railway business. Simple things, size of locomotives, how to fix sleepers, which technology to deploy, etc., etc. And if you don't have even just that basic understanding, 
you're not going to meet the deliverables for industry. And then there are just the broader issues of costing, debts, finances and fixing infrastructure. And to this point... Transnet is being seen as as much a problem to the South African economy as ESCOM is. Are people exaggerating um, this view? No, I don't think so. Look, I, I think in fairness to Transnet, they've taken much stronger steps to try and clean up the, the corruption that was, was flowing through the organization. Mm. And, you know, whether they've achieved that completely remains to be seen. But... You know, the fact of the matter is that they did have major issues. Uh, One of the uh, well-publicized issues was that they put out a tender for the deepening of the the berths at the Durban Container Terminal some years ago. Mm. And they've been promising to do this since about 2015 or something. And and I'll come to why it's necessary in a moment. But... Mm. That tender was won and awarded to someone, and all of a sudden it was cleaned up. Uh, it was uh, it, it was withdrawn, and um, and Transnet then undertook to review every single one of their tenders because it was very clear that that they were as much uh, subject to the sort of corruption around the Eskom tenders as as was happening there. Mm. So that has been one of the problems that they've had to clean up big time, and. Um, you know, I don't want to be unfair, mm. but let's not forget who the CEO of Transnet was before he became the CEO of Eskom, one okay. Mr. Brian Malefi. So I'll leave that conversation. Okay, so right there's a there. common thread between sort of um, really uh, corroding one state entity to then go and do the other, and the two are interlinked. Because if you think yeah. Transnet Freight Rail is how the coal is transported or should be transported to ESCOM power plants, and if that's not working, then ESCOM doesn't get it load shedding. So all of these dots start to connect is what I'm hearing you say. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The dots are all completely interconnected, and even to the point where they were then sort of connecting with the yeah. same CEO moving from one to the other. So that. That problem has been cleaned up quite significantly. Um, I, I agree with Mama Sela, and I think that the that there are great issues in terms of of management. And mm. as I mentioned in that World Bank Container Port mm. Index, one of the things they measure is oversight, and they mm. conclude by putting our ports at the bottom of the pile that there is inadequate oversight, which means that there's a big disconnect between the people at the top and the people Mm. who are sort of lower down in management. And so unless those guys are all talking to each other and unless they're properly empowered for Mm. decision-making, it's a problem. And, you know, one of the things that that I've seen with Transnet over the years is that they're very much a sort of top-down organization. Mm. So it takes it's quite difficult to get a decision made because it's got okay. to go through so many layers rather than having people properly empowered and proper delegations right. flowing, flowing through the system. So, you know, I think it's a combination of things. Um, and, you know, I don't think that, that the, you know, the qualifications mm. are absent. I think that it's the sort of practicality of putting together plans which which make an organization like that function and it's a highly highly complex organization Mm. and because you've got a port which has to speak to the the inland transportation Mm. um you're inevitably unless both organizations are talking to each Mm. other 
you're going to have problems. Mm. Okay. And so, you know, certainly KZN was aggravated with the floods. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, but anyway, just just I alluded to that tender yeah. for the deepening of the of the birds. One of the realities of world shipping, particularly in containers, is that ships are getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. And so the biggest ships in the world can now carry something like 24,000 containers. Yeah. We don't have deep enough ports mm. to accommodate those enormous ships. So now the smaller ships um, have to keep calling here, and we don't have the economies okay. of scale. And, you know, the more ships you've got, the greater oh, your trade, yeah. your sort of traffic complications okay. in the port and so on. And okay. so, you know, a tender which should have been awarded seven, eight years ago is still sitting unawarded. And, you know, and those are some of the, 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 the concerns right. that we have systemically. So, Andrew Pike, I'm going to interrupt you there because we've got some news headlines. We'll continue after the headlines with some of these infrastructure issues. And I'd like us to also talk about road. Yes, we are talking freight rail, roads, moving goods to markets because an economy you can produce, but if you can't get the services that move the finished goods to an export market, to a domestic market, you might as well just close shop. And that's what mining houses have been telling uh, the president, that they are able to mine, but they're not able to get minerals to international customers, to those who would beneficiate. And if that can't happen, then you can't earn more money to create more jobs and so on and so forth. And at the core is Transnet, which uh, really and truly runs the logistics side of the economy. If my memory serves me well, Transnet Freight Rail alone, that division of Transnet employs nearly 20,000 people. Uh, And so when you start to add the ports and other core services that a Transnet runs, then you realize that 50% of the South African economy relies on a Transnet working in as much as 80% of the South African economy relies on an ESCOM working. So if two state-owned enterprises are hamstrung, you have a serious problem on your hands. Andrew Pike is the head of Ports, Transport and Logistics at Bowman's Attorneys. He's in the conversation and Mesela Kobe Ntlapo is the CEO of African of the African Rail Industry Association. She's also here. Mesela, many things were said um, corroborating your views, but also in addition to the fact that new infrastructure is needed to cope with the size of newer generation ships. So it's not even just, you know, uh, a fix, uh, a bandage and paint type refurb that's needed. It's new kinds of ports with birthing capacity that's required. That's on the port side. On the rail side, what are we talking about? Because a lot has been said about South Africa getting the wrong passenger railway lines from Spain. That was on the Prasa side. And then South Africa not getting the right trains from China on the freight rail side. So what are we not understanding about changes in the rail industry? Um, um, first of all, I would like to, to, to question earlier on, it was uh, alluded to that the, the corruption. Mm. It's almost as if corruption started on a certain date and ended on a certain date. Mm. And it almost sounds as if um, the, the gentleman saying that the current, uh, he knows for a fact that the current 
uh, administration is, 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 is not correct. But It's as, trying um, to root it out. It's trying to fix yeah, it. Yeah. Well, we have had ghost trains that have been reported uh, in the media recently. So mm. we should not, we should, we should be very, very, very careful when we use the word corruption that we attach it with mm. the previous administration mm. and do not look into the current administration and hold them accountable. Mm. Okay, fair enough. Okay. okay. Well, one uh, other thing is, is that um, and earlier on I mentioned um, politics. The, the process trains uh, or the so-called toll trains, if you go to the, um, to, 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 to the railway safety regulation, mm. they have a report that says that uh, the, the, the toll trains are not necessarily toll trains, mm. but uh, are trains that could run at certain lines and, and, and not at certain lines, because some lines are, are old, the, the mm. bridges were a little bit lower, and, uh, but the train ran from one point to another, and uh, uh, the railway safety regulator was happy about that. Okay. Um, what what is what what do we we do as South African? We we like to do post mortems. <laughs> um. Say say for instance for instance now we 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 as a, an industry body we have looked at the um, financial statements of 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 Transnet. Mm-hmm. And uh, for in March 2022. Mm-hmm. It was reported that the uh, Deutsche Bank, Taylor Deutsche Bank, performed a revaluation of the railway infrastructure mm-hmm. uh, at March 2022. This was done on the discounted cash flow model and resulted in a fair value increase of 6.6 billion, mm-hmm. together with a replacement of 3.9 billion. This resulted in a net increase. Um, in carrying value of the rail infrastructure alone by nine billion. That was the time where they, they declared a, a five billion uh, a, a profit, which mm. was not really a profit. And then we had the strike, imme- the strike immediately after that. Because mm. obviously you have uh, we have money, we've made money as an organization. Now we have five billion. Surely, uh, uh, workers have a, a, you know, a, 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 a right to say that we have made money. Please increase our 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 salary. Mm-hmm. So the, the and then further to that um, is, is that in the same reporting period, Transnet reported a total fair value increase of 13.6 billion to property plant and equipment mm. and a net re-evaluation re-evaluation again increase of property uh, of, of 10 billion mm. this resulted into the asset values due to positive revaluation of 23.7 billion yeah. but what is concerning Levato, uh, is, is that the cash flow and the maintenance understand and operational uh, performance in the same period. Yeah. Don't talk to each other. Cash flow, media results, Transnet reported a drop of 8.9 billion. Mm. And 8.9 billion uh, 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 a lot. And then in the next uh, reporting period, 
you've made a, a profit. Now you ask yourself, where does the profit come uh, comes from? Mm-hmm. The operational or performance, we know that this country has lost billions and billions and billions in rent because the mining industry is not being serviced mm. as they're supposed to be serviced. Mm. Now, that what we have lost is the post-mortem again that I, I, I talk about. Mm. But we as a society, we cannot do post-mortem. Mm. We need to be on the lookout day in, day yeah. out, yeah. and hold the, the government accountable. Okay. And I think this is I think this is important what you're saying with all the numbers as mind-boggling as they are Andrew the issue here is that in South Africa we're very good at diagnostics we're not very good at implementation we know what the problems is corruption is one of the problems capital expenditure is one of the problems bloated civil service is one of the problems make organizations leaner invest the money in the core functions get it going we know the problems it's the getting stuff done that's not happening yeah i'd agree with that and perhaps a good illustration of that um some years ago i sat on the board of the ports regulator the the first one after its implementation i was on that board for five years and one of the exercises that we did was we had a look at the 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 capital expenditure of the ports authority because the ports regulator is only um only has jurisdiction over tnpa and we looked at that capital expenditure and we were seeing you know, significant expenditure each year. Yeah. But we then measured that against certain performance metrics over the same period yes. and found the performance went down. And so you have to ask yourself, how is it that you're spending money on, you know, on all sorts of infrastructure, on new tugs, on, you know, new equipment, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. but your performance is going downwards. And I think that the answer is, is you know, you've got, one system which is which is trying to to spend whatever money is available, and another mm. system where people aren't aren't able to use what they've got, mm. and it gets back to the discussion we were having earlier about you know the sort of organisational matrix and and how that works, and you know whether people are actually a competent and b empowered to mm. you know to do what they're required to do mm. to make these systems work and to use the infrastructure right. that they have i think if i can just touch very briefly on the point that Marcella made about you know sort of in, uh, ostensible increases in value and so on mm. you know one of the things we noticed was that transnet port authority is a it's a landlord authority and so mm. they have jurisdiction over and are the landlord of a whole lot of land. And mm. part of that includes oil storage facilities yes. here in Durban. And, uh, you know, what they did a few years ago was that they basically sort of ended all the leases of the tenants who mm-hmm. were on, a, on month-to-month leases and said, well, we're now revaluing this land. And originally it was unimproved land. Now you've put all of these oil tanks and buildings and things on it. So we're revaluing it to mm-hmm. um, completely new values. And they resolved the issue of whether the lease has continued or not. But mm. on our understanding, a lot of that sort of increase in value 
suddenly came because they revalued the land without anything actually happening. But it wasn't that they actually got new or increased revenue. Mm. And, uh, you know, but understandably, we had that huge port strike last year where yeah. workers are saying, well, look, you know, there's a whole extra five billion or whatever in the port mm. system. We want to share that. And they mm. can't share it because it's all represented in land, which has simply been revalued. Yeah. So, you know, that's, that's, uh, you know, a big issue. And, okay. You know, and then you know, and there, there is a lot of pushback from Labour, and uh, we we're seeing, and again, I'm sure Marcella mm. can talk more about it. But there's a tender out at the moment. It's an RFQ at the moment for from Transnet, mm. um, f- from Transnet Freight Rail for the rail corridor from Gauteng to KZN. But whoever takes it over is then required to take over three or three and a half thousand employees of Transnet who already work mm. on that line. So, you know, there's got to be guaranteed employment mm. without performance. I don't think that the, the successful bidder will okay. be allowed to, to you know, trim things down to, to, to an efficient level. And it, it's a huge disincentive. And while there are moves to try and privatize and, yeah. and bring private sector expertise into the ports and onto the rail, yeah. the reality is that the, the, the bidders are still being hamstrung by existing systems and, and issues within the organization. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on, uh, Mesela. Uh, because there's obviously a lot that's happening operationally to clean up, to request for new uh, quotations and tenders, and 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 try to move uh, Transnet into a more commercially viable space. I want to talk about roads, and we're told once the goods are through the ports. They then make their way through South Africa and Southern Africa, the SADC region, all the way up until uh, the DRC or the Zambia side by road. And the same is true of West Africa and and the Comec region, etc. And 90% of goods, the food we eat, the furniture we sit on, the clothes we wear, are literally moving to market, to retail, by road. And that's because there aren't enough ports. That's because of some of the things you've spoken about, the failures of, of, of or there aren't enough railway lines, the failures of, of warehousing, etc., etc. But, and here's the caveat, there is a sense that because the road logistics industry has grown exponentially, there is a disincentive to fix the rails because to fix the rails would be to undercut significantly the business of the road freight um, side of the economy, and they will stand as a huge lobby against the sorting out of rail. Uh, do you think there's any truth to that? Well, um, I, I, I don't think so. I think um, all transport modes they talk to to each other the last mile and all, and all that in a, in a, when the logistics function uh, mm. properly. We, we actually have had a few meetings with uh, trucking companies that have recognized that the trucking industry has reached a, a, a ceiling. And with the, with the rail policy that we had, uh, uh, the new rail policy, mm. is the first one in over 80 years. Now, they're looking into the, the trucking business. It is now looking into rail to diversify their, their, their businesses. Mm. And I think that there is also a company um, uh, that, that is based in, in Cape Town, I forgot their name now, mm. 
is a traditional trucking company. They have now gone into rail. They are currently operating in Mozambique and in Zimbabwe. Mm. So uh, trucking companies actually see this as, um, uh, you know, to diversify their their business. But Lerato, I just wanted to to go back to the competency thing. So recently there was an RFQ, RFI, and yeah, uh, that uh, was looking for uh, uh, people that will sit on the bid committee to decide who gets work and who doesn't get mm. work. Now, this is the this is the humor of the the raid industry. How can the only uh, freight company in South Africa mm-hmm. that has ran the railways? saying that the matters of the railways are complex for them and then they now need private sector to 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 adjudicate mm. the bid. I mean that 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 is crazy. But I have since since learned that uh, and through our intervention as well that the bid has been withdrawn. Okay. But you can't do that. You can't say I know the business and then later on say the industry is complex. Yeah. It proves what I've said earlier. Yeah. Okay. Um, Rata, I also want to cover the the the, the agricultural side. Yes. Um, not not with with um with the agricultural side, you you you, you have uh, the the three provinces uh, that are top. I mean, you have um uh, um three states being at number one, mm. um northwest and and then Mpumalanga. As let's say those are the, the, the top top three. Yeah. So you get um, um, maize, wheat, or whatever from northwest loaded on trucks, and that go to DRC. Yes. And the transaction itself is still profitable, even if the truck comes back empty to collect okay. more mm, grain. Yes. So. What what we are missing out as, as, as South Africa and, and taking advantage of the C, CFTA is that we need to start working together, not uh, looking at Transnet, but as South Africa, um, the logistics sector, uh, uh, how are we going to integrate this to the continent? Okay. The, the future of race. Already on the FedEx region, we're saying we're going to stay on Cape Gage yeah. Unless there's a new project, then we'll go uh, as uh, on standard gauge as advised by yeah. the African African Union. So for 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 the automotive industry, we have been also been um, requested by the the Houghton government to look at the feasibility and how it will work from uh, Silverton into okay. uh, uh, the eastern the eastern so it's possible only if we work together. Yeah. Okay. Transnet, private sector, government, it doesn't matter mm. who. It, 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 it's, it's a matter of mm. saving 
South Africa. We okay. are in big trouble. Yeah. And Maduna online says, Lerato, you can talk about the broader economy, but rail networks are also the lifeblood of rural economies. The hawkers, the small post offices, yep. the general dealers, the local eateries, artisans, local agriculture, hardware stores have lost out a lot because of the depleted state of rail infrastructure and being and now having to move to the roads to drive long distances to go and find their own products for these rural communities. So this is this is a social issue too, is what Maduna is saying. Hamlet. Yeah. Uh, good morning, Lerato, to your guest. Um, very interesting uh, topic. Lerato, I just want to find out from your guest that um, uh, how feasible is, is, is it uh, to incorporate, I mean, um, private sector in terms of giving out uh, uh, mm. concessions, in terms of managing and uh, really rehabilitating certain, okay. I mean, rural, rural network because of, I mean, we, we can agree, given the numbers that she, she was was talking about that the mm. government does not have the capital yeah. to really rehabilitate and really upgrade the rail infrastructure okay. and 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 we know how it affects i mean our export market whether it's mining agriculture right. and just even for domestic movement of okay. goods within the south african economy right. so, and, and, and i think that um, it, it's quite clear that something has to be done and private sector because of in the main they're very interested in in in, in rail infrastructure and i've i've had discussions that uh, there are people who are interested in taking up uh, and a proposal already that has been sent to Transnet. And I don't know what is the status. Maybe your guest okay. can just, you know, maybe expand more on that. Okay, uh, maybe I might have missed it, but no, uh, I would appreciate no. it. We, we do want to get into privatization very briefly. Paswa, good morning. Good morning. Quickly, Rato. Mm. You know, the issue of passenger rates was um, misunderstood by both uh, the government and the private sector because... Prasa was on point in terms of rail modernization. Mm. There were two tenders in Prasa. One, rail modernization. Two, uh, the locomotive one that they claim is long. Mm. And those locomotives that they claim is long, I've moved with them from here to Cape Town. Mm. There was nothing wrong with those mm. lines. Mm. However, the destroy of the infrastructure of Prasa, I think it was intentional mm. because it was going to uplift most of the communities, that's okay. why there is a discussion of rail concession. Okay. That was one point in terms of planning the, mo- the, 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 the mobility. Okay. Not transport, the mobility of passengers. All right, thanks. Thanks, Dr. So two things coming up, uh, the modernization of infrastructure and whether the private sector should be given concessions to do some of this rehabilitation for a fair price, but let them fix it. Andrew Pike, your response? Yeah, so my response is that there is something already happening. Um, in the ports of Durban and Nuka, the two, con- two of the big container terminals there have been put up for sort of semi-privatization, if you mm-hmm. like, and and a number of the top players in the world have bid for those. Mm-hmm. What they will do is they will take over, manage, operate, and fund the um, the container terminals and sort of introduce world-class systems and so on. And Transnet will retain an interest in the in, in this, this sort of operational company, but the big players, whoever is awarded it, will in fact take over the, the operation and rehabilitation. So that will will assist to an extent. And then there is a similar initiative, uh, which Marcella might want to talk mm. more about, on the rail side. That mm. I mentioned it a bit earlier, the Gauteng KZN corridor. It's not without its problems, 
but my understanding is they're asking the private sector for something mm. like a five billion rand injection into that, and they will be responsible not only for operating but also for maintaining. And I and I don't okay. know about um, you know upgrading, but uh, they, they I think they're looking for help. Okay. Yeah. And final comments from you, Memancela Kope Ntlapo. So modernization of rail, you know, somebody was thinking about it, but it got lost in translation is what the caller said. But more than that, commercializing, privatizing. What are the pros? What are the cons of going that way? Um, I think I think we need to uh, tone it down a bit. Mm. Okay. Privatization is when you sell state-owned assets. Mm. Concession, it is not planning state-owned asset. Mm. Example, when you drive on the N3, mm. you have toll gate, mm. you pay. Mm. So somebody has a concession on the N3, and what they get in return is the, 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 the fees that we pay, mm. and they then have a responsibility to keep the road uh, infrastructure into a state that is demanded by mm-hmm. by uh, um, the, the national uh, uh, government. Yes. So we must uh, not uh, uh, be quick to jump that is privatization is completely not privatization. Mm. Even the president said that the land would always belong to government, mm. and that has always been the case. Mm. So concession, uh, transnet does not have money. We know that. Uh, government does not has limited resources. We know that. All we're asking for is that concession. Mm. The concession, private sector has already put up his hands. He says, we have money. We can help mm. under this condition. Mm. And for private sector, it's, it's profit. Mm. No one goes into business uh, without the intention of making profit. Yeah. So okay. what we are saying is that uh, we need to see more private sector participating yes. in order to resolve the issues that we have uh, within uh, the railway right. in industry. Okay. And lastly, Lerato, um, we actually lagging. We are, as South Africa, we're sleeping on the wheel. Okay. Tazara. Um, which is a joint venture between Zambia mm. and, and, and Tanzania. Tanzania. Mm. They're actually promoting that, that the board is promoting that more contracts must be signed with private operators. Right. They, made, they made, they made money. And then, then that money was then reinvested in the, okay. uh, in the infrastructure. So we are missing out. We are sleeping on, on, on the week. Okay. With the Gauteng uh, uh, corridor, unfortunately, uh, the 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 terms uh, are not business may, may not be business friendly. Yeah. Initially, it was two years, and um, to show that there is lack yeah. of knowledge as well, that two years doesn't work. Okay. And uh, we are also told that the German uh, we are adopting the German model. Right. We are not German. Okay. We are South Africa, which is complex, okay. and we need to treat it as that. I have to interject but, there. I have to interject. Unfortunately, we've run out of time, but I think we get the gist of it, is that, you know, 
commercialization exists, concessioning exists. You don't have to completely sell over assets of a state-owned enterprise, but others can manage it better and get the job done quicker. And South Africa don't sleep at the wheel. There is some work being done, but we need much more. I think this conversation deserves a 2.0, and I hope we can do it soon. It's been the Monday edition of Power Talk. I want to thank Mesela Kopenkapu, the CEO of African Rail Industry Association, and Andrew Pike, Head of Ports, Transport and Logistics at Berman's Attorneys. We do it again tomorrow. Cheers. You've been listening to a Power 98.7 podcast. For more podcasts, visit power987.co.za or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.